Mindfulness Mode 430. Gosh, it used to be so easy for me. Now my metabolism has slowed down. Now my hormones have changed, but they've never changed their diet. Welcome back to Mindfulness Mode, where you can reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. I'm Bruce Langford, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach. As always, thanks for joining me here. I want to also thank all of you who have filled in my short survey about the upcoming membership group I'm putting together. I totally appreciate that. If you haven't had a chance, it's at mindfulnessmode.com slash mmsurvey. Thanks for that, Mindful Tribe. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to offer you a way to release some of the feelings of overwhelm you might be experiencing. It's a guided meditation that I've put together that can help you abandon your inner blocks and surrender your stress. And I found that I've become more focused with this particular meditation as well. And it's really helped me raise my personal level of contentment, just be more relaxed. And I'm convinced that you will have success with with this as well. It's been very, very well received. It's a full 30-minute guided meditation that I've put together. The cost is $4.99, and you can get it right away by going to mindfulnessmode.com slash release. Now, right in the spirit of being content with who you are and letting go of stress, well, that's a lot of what my guest today is all about. What if you could get in shape and be completely happy with who you are while you're getting in shape? while you're moving forward in life and achieving some of these goals you've always wanted to do. Well, she's one of the world's top health and wellness people. And yet when I talked to her, it was just so comfortable and easy to chat with her. It was was like talking with a personal friend. I think you're going to love this interview. Sit back, relax, and get connected with health expert, Natalie Jill. Hey, Mindful Tribe, this is an exciting day because we're going to be talking all about fitness and health. I have the wonderful Natalie Jill with me today. Hey, Natalie, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am absolutely in mindfulness mode today. That's great. Natalie Jill is an internationally renowned weight loss expert with over 2.5 million social media followers. She's been recognized by Forbes for two years running as one of the world's top health and wellness influencers. She's a podcaster, really well-known for her top-ranking show called Leveling Up, Creating Everything from Nothing. After leaving a lucrative position in corporate America, she recreated herself in the online world, building a -a seven-figure-a-year business from scratch. Pretty impressive, Natalie. That's tremendously awesome. Tell us what mindfulness means to you. Mindfulness to me means being grateful and being present um, for whatever is happening in your life, um, whether that's just simple moments or even things that we view as not so great for our lives, Uh, but being in that moment and being aware and finding the gratitude in it. And gratitude is a huge part of mindfulness, that's for sure. Did you ever suffer from uh, 
being overweight yourself. Personally. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> and well, I've suffered from every question you could possibly ask about like, have you suffered from being broke? Have you suffered from being overweight? Have you suffered from failed business? Yes. To all. <laughs> and I will share that the mindfulness of it all and looking for the gratitude and looking for the lessons learned has really worked for me. And when you ask about, was I ever overweight? Um, I grew up not, I was actually I should say, take that back. When I was a baby, I was actually really overweight. I was one of those babies that my mom said people would call me the Michelin baby. <laughs> I had, she said I had eight rolls and I have pictures to prove it <laughs> on my arms. So I was born a chunky monkey and I looked like this. It looked like my parents were feeding me junk food. <laughs> and my mom said that she would take me out and people would say, you've got a big bruiser there. And you know, I was a girl. <laughs> so <laughs> That slipped aside. And then in my teens and as a child, and then in my teens and my young adulthood, I was fit. I found exercise and healthy food and I was really into it. And I, and I was very fit until I wasn't. And when I wasn't was after I had my daughter. And what I want to share about that is I'm five foot two and I had gained about 60 pounds when pregnant. Now, listeners might now might hear me and say, well, you were pregnant. But let me explain that my daughter weighed about six pounds when she was born and the placenta did not weigh 54. So that extra weight on a five foot two was a lot. And it was a lot for me. And it was something I hadn't experienced before. And it wasn't going away after I had her. So that was my area of when I was overweight. Wow. That sounds really like a tough place to be. And how did you then move to that place where you were no yeah. longer overweight? Yeah. So what was happening at that time, this was back in 2007, 2008. And if you remember what was going on then, we had a huge economic downturn. Yeah. So there was a lot of things going wrong in a lot of people's lives and mine included. So not only had I gained all of this weight, uh, but I was also going through a divorce. So I was dealing with depression from the weight gain and going through a divorce. I was about to be a new single mom. I had a career, which was a great career, but it required full-time travel. And as learning I was going to be a new single mom, I didn't know how I was going to do that. So I had to take a voluntary uh, demotion. And the housing market had also taken a huge turn for the worse. And I found myself quickly upside down in my house in debt. In fact, a ridiculous amount of debt. Um, my credit cards were turned off and I learned that I was $1.4 million. And yep, I'll say that again. I was oh, $1.4 wow. million in debt because of the housing market crash and what I had pulled out of it trying to, to salvage. It was the worst time of my life it really felt like this horrible rock bottom. I was depressed for the first time in my life. I love to say, Bruce, I explain it as I felt like a fake person then. And I don't mean fake in appearance. I mean fake as in nobody really knew what was going on with me because I had spent my whole life up until that point doing what I was supposed to do, like getting married and having the good job. And I had the white picket fence and the two dogs and the baby on the way. Mm -hmm. I was doing what I was supposed to do. But my life was falling apart and I was scared to be vulnerable about it and ask for help or share or tell anyone. So I isolated myself. And a lot of times when we go into depression, we do that. We isolate and you really can't solve problems with the same mindset that got you in there. So it's very dangerous and it's very scary when you go into that isolation mode because it, it doesn't really help things. So that was my rock bottom point before I started turning things around. 
And how did you move through that depression? Yeah. Did you take yeah. did you take antidepressants or what did you do? Mm-hmm. So I I did not take antidepressants and I and I wish I maybe had. I mean, I, I think that would have helped me a lot if I had gone and seen somebody and asked for that help. But my turning point was I had about four months of I remember really solid depression, the kind I didn't want to get out of bed, I didn't want to shower. The only thing that got me moving each day was that I had a daughter. And I literally was living for her. I just felt like I have to put one foot in the front of the other for her. And my turning point was I was walking her with my two dogs. I'll never forget this moment. And I caught a reflection of myself in one of those windows that has like a mirror reflection. And I remember having a moment of looking at myself and going, I don't even know who that person is. Like, who is this reflection I'm looking at? Because that's not me. I'm somewhere else, but that's not me. And I remember having that moment. I remember that day in that spot so specifically. And I thought the whole way home. And I remember thinking, you know, so many people in my life had always told me I empowered them. I helped them. Um, I used to be a sales director. Like I did all these things for people. What did I used to tell them? And I remember thinking, what did I used to tell them? And I thought, I used to tell them that they had to create a vision and know where they wanted to go if they wanted to make a change and get someplace. They had to know where they were going, not just what they didn't want anymore. And that was a big moment for me because until that point, I was thinking of everything wrong with my life. I didn't even dare to dream or think about what I actually wanted. I just knew what I didn't want. And the more we focus on whatever, the more we attract that. So I kept focusing on what was wrong with my life. I was broke. I was overweight. I was depressed. I was divorced. I was a single mom. I focused on all these negatives, but I never once, it had never once occurred to me, like, what do I actually want? So I went home. I remember turning on Oprah and she was featuring The Secret and Mm -hmm. they were talking about vision boards. And that was step one. I decided to make a vision board. And it felt very light. I started grabbing magazines and cutting out images of what I wanted. And it, it surprised me what I was cutting out. I fit girls and beach and happy families and a golf course. I just put like whatever was making me feel good. And I put them all on my vision board and I started staring at it. And I thought, okay, if I can stare at this vision board and imagine that I'm living in that vision board, that has to change my mood. It has to change my brain. It has to change my thoughts and that will make my actions change. So I would literally stare at that vision board and it wasn't woo-woo, like I'm just going to stare and it's going to happen to me. But it was, how do I start acting like the person living in that vision board? And that's how everything started to shift and change for me. I started to daydream and envision and fantasize. That was step one. Wow. And then what are some of the first things you did to create your business? Yeah. So I didn't know I was going to start a business at the time. I just knew where I was headed. And in that, it wasn't, I'm going to create a business. It was that I was headed towards, I wanted ocean. I wanted a happy couple. I wanted, this is what I wanted. I wanted to feel this way. I wanted to be fit and healthy. So I did two things that I say are critical to everybody right now. There's, There's actually three things that are critical, but these are the two things I said right then. I said, I'm going to make a decision that this is happening. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to become the person that lives in that vision board. That was step one, decide. Step two was declare it. I knew that if I just kept it in my brain, it wouldn't actually happen. I had to actually tell people that this is what I was doing and I had to be public about it. So I decided right then that I'm deciding and I'm going to start declaring that this is how I'm going to live to anyone that wants to listen or hear. And then step three, I had already done first was to create that vision. And those are the still the same three pillars I talk about so frequently with transformation now that you have to start with those things. So what happened then was I decided, I decided I was going to declare it. I had a vision. I started with my body. I'm like, I have to have my body 
feel the energy and the focus to match what I want in that vision. So what is the person on the vision board? What do they eat? What do they do with their bodies? Who do they talk to? What do they listen to? So I started searching. Um, and like a lot of people find that start a weight loss journey, it's information overload. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. what, like, what right. do you follow? What do you do? What? And it, it was intimidating. I was overwhelmed and I had never had to deal with it before. So I, I didn't really understand. And I would think one food was healthy and then read somewhere else that it's not. And it was very confusing. So I went on a journey to simplify and learn. And that's what I did. I became a, a master sports nutritionist for my own knowledge. I learned about body for my own knowledge. I did all of that. And what I did, which is what launched my whole business, was I decided that I was going to go on Facebook, which at the time I had maybe a hundred friends from high school. <laughs> you know, I didn't have yeah. the social media following I have right. now. Right. And I said, I'm going to go on social media and I'm going to share that I've decided I'm getting fit. I'm declaring it here and I'm going to post what I'm eating and what I'm doing for accountability. And what happened next was unbelievable. And this is what happens when you're very clear on your vision, like of what, how you want to feel and be. People were super interested and supportive and I attracted that. And I was being authentic for the first time in my life. I was being vulnerable. I wasn't asking for anything. I wasn't trying to sell anything. I was just sharing. I was being real. This is the problem I'm going through. This is how I'm fixing it. And people followed. And not only did they follow, they loved it. And they started asking questions and I was connecting with people, which is again, when we isolate and we stay in our head, we're not connecting, which right. creates bigger problems. So I was actually connecting with people, even though online I was connecting, sharing, being vulnerable and people were following. And the next question was how these meals you're making, like you should make a recipe book. And I thought a recipe book, I, would, I wouldn't even know how to do that. And somebody said to me, make an ebook. And Bruce, I remember Googling, what is an ebook? I had no idea. Like is what that is right? an yeah. ebook? <laughs> like, oh, an electronic book. Okay. How do I do that? And I had a Blackberry phone. I didn't even have an iPhone with my weird pictures of my food. So I put them all on, I think a Word document. And then I made a PDF and I made a $10 price tag. I didn't have a sales page. I didn't have Facebook ads, nothing. And I went on Facebook and I said, okay, I made a recipe book. It's a PDF, $10. If you're interested, email me. I'll send you a PayPal link. Once you pay it, I'll send you the file. And people bought it. Not wow. only did they buy it, they loved it. And it was my first taste of, wow, people are interested in what I do. And I, that was easy. And I made an extra $30 or $40. And it started that simple. And what I kept doing right was I was listening to people and connecting and sharing. And as my body was changing and people were seeing that, I kept creating a bigger vision. And the next question was, you should... I'm curious how you put this together with your workouts. How do you, how do you eat like this to change your body? Like how much do you eat of it? So I sat down one weekend and I made what was my first best-selling book called Seven Day Jumpstart. I wrote it in a weekend. Um, it wow. started as an ebook that was 12 pages long. I put a $35 price tag on it and the same way, no sales pages, no Facebook ads, nothing. Put it on there. People loved it. They bought it. Same thing. Send me a link. I'd send them the paper. Like I didn't know anything about internet marketing or mar any of it. I didn't care. I just didn't, I was just helping. Mm -hmm. So what was bizarre, well, not so bizarre now, but it felt bizarre at the time is people, not only do they love it, they would send me these messages saying, Natalie, you changed my life. Like in a week, I feel totally different. I'm starting to lose the weight. I, the bloat's gone. This is amazing. Thanks for creating this. And I would say, can I share this? with others, I think they'll find it helpful. And they'd say, yes, I would screenshot it, put it back on Facebook and say, look at, look at so-and-so, look what they did. And I'd say, who is next? And it kept going. And that product took off. It launched my whole business. It literally launched my whole business. It's now a best-selling book in source. Wow. 
That's yeah. incredible. And now you have aging in reverse. Yeah. And, and you do seem like you seem so very, very young. And people oh, say that you. you're aging in reverse <laughs> yourself. You. And then that's yeah. what you named the book. Tell us about the book. Yeah. So, you know, throughout life, anytime our ego gets in the way, we sort of have a way of getting checked. And yeah. I always go back to my rock bottom spot 11 years ago of that was my ego in the way. I thought I had everything I was supposed to do. I was self-righteous about it. And then boom, the stock market crashes. I gained weight. All that stuff happened. I said it happened to me, but now I believe it happened for me because that launched my business. It launched a lot. But then the years go by and things change and the ego pops back up. And I've had my definite share of hardships. <laughs> so yeah. every time that happens, it, it checks me and I and I get, get things again. So what happened about... Um, about 17 months ago, and this is what launched Aging in Reverse, is 17 months ago, I was doing a intense workout um, filming for a pro something that was paying me. It was an intense program. And I was doing workouts that I don't normally do myself. <laughs> and that's the first thing. So remember I said earlier that authenticity is what works. Yes. So when you're not being authentic or when I'm not being authentic, right. that comes back to check me. So I was not being authentic. And in a way that I was going and getting paid to do workouts that I don't normally do, which that's kind of a tricky spot because that's like, that wasn't going to help my audience. And yes, that helped me. I don't think anyone would have blamed me. I was getting paid to do it, whatever. But I have just like a lot of women my age, um, we have degenerative disc disease, which is fine. We, a lot of us have it. Some feel no pain, some do. And I had struggled with it for years, but I learned how to work and do the right exercises. So I didn't make that worse and I didn't mm -hmm. feel it. Well, this particular day, I was doing about eight or nine hours of workouts um, that were not my norm, that were very intense for me. And I got tired and I wasn't using my proper form or any of that. And I got what it was an excruciating back pain. And I, I say excruciating, like it was worse than labor pains to me. And I'll, it was the worst pain I've ever felt. And what I should have done is gone to the ER, but I didn't. And I kept working through it. I don't even know how. That night I went to sleep. I woke up the next morning and my back wasn't hurting anymore. But I got out of bed and my right leg wasn't working. My, um, I had something called foot drop. So my right foot was dragging on the floor and my whole leg felt like it was numb. Like when something falls asleep, oh, I would wow. shake it and it would not wake up. And I kept wow. thinking, something, my leg won't wake up. And what I, what I drew about that was, okay, um, maybe it wasn't my back. Maybe I hurt my piriformis or my leg and I was feeling it in my back. And let me just get back to California and deal with it. So I, the whole airplane ride home, I remember thinking, what's wrong with my leg? What's wrong with my leg? As it turns out, I get back to California. I end up getting an MRI. And not only did I have a ruptured disc, I had the biggest ruptured disc my surgeon had ever seen. And it was wrapped around my spinal cord and it cut off circulation to my whole right leg. And if I, he told me, if you don't have emergency surgery, you know, you might not walk again. So it wasn't a question. I went into surgery. But what happened from that, again, is I, I started thinking, oh my gosh, I'm a fraud. I'm a fake. How am I a fitness expert? And now this happened to me. And how am I going to tell people? How do I hide it? Like literally that's what's going through my head. And instead of going down that path of I'm going to hide it, I decided to lean into it and I shared it. And people again were interested. Mm -hmm. And I had to go on a search of like, how do I eat so I could get the inflammation away? How do I prevent this happening again? Like, what do I do to, to really take care of my body in a different, a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. And that's when aging in reverse started for me because I really started digging into an anti-inflammatory diet and how I was going to, how I was going to eat that. That's what started for me. And then to couple that people were always asking me about my age. I'm 47. And people would say to me, um, my gosh, you don't look 47. I'm surprised you're 47. 
but what came up to me for me with that was not, well, thank you. That's nice of you. It was more, but why isn't that what it's supposed to look like? (laughs) Why can't it look like this? Like who says? And I realized that that's actually what I call a false assumed truth, Mm -hmm. F-A-T. So I say I kill fat for a living that people believe that because you're a certain age, you're supposed to be a certain way, or you're supposed to have this happen to you, or you're supposed to whatever. And I decided that there was something to that. And anti-inflammatory foods are important. Yes. But so is the mindset shift around what's possible and what aging has to look or feel like. So my book is about all of that. So let's talk about some of those details. What about sugars? Do you promote, you know, avoiding sugars? Well, it depends on what type of sugar. So like fruit sugar, vegetable sugar, like, no, I'm a fan of carbs on those levels. What I'm not a fan of is the high fructose corn syrup or the fake sugars or the candy sugars, all of that. I'm not a fan of that. I think that that is very dangerous with aging. In fact, there's three things that I have people avoid in aging in reverse. That's dairy, greens, and sugar. And what I've noticed a lot is, is especially women will say, gosh, it used to be so easy for me. Now my metabolism has slowed down. Now my hormones have changed, but they've never changed their diet. And to me, it's like, okay, before you blame hormones, metabolism, everything else, why don't you try eating this way and see if you still have those beliefs? Because yes, maybe your body dealt with those better when you were younger. It was more forgiving, but now you get to actually eat healthy and eat foods that that benefit you. And grains, dairy, and sugar don't help you with that. So one of the first things women notice when me, with me when they work with me on aging in reverse is that that puffiness goes away, that the bloat goes away, that their cravings go away, that their joints stop hurting. They really truly become anti-inflammatory, which helps with their focus, with their mindset, with everything. And now they feel better and they're more likely to go work out, move and take control of their life. So let's talk about dairy specifically. Mm-hmm. What is dairy doing to us that's negative? Yeah. So dairy is, it's mucus. Dairy is an inflammatory food. It's a very inflammatory food. And and now before people freak out on me about dairy, (laughs) I'm not a fan of like, you can never, ever, ever have it. That's not where I'm going with it, but it is a food that has a high ratio of inflammation and a high ratio of people that are allergic to it or have a response to it. That's negative. It's mucus producing. So when you take dairy out of your diet, your body works better. Your body's not meant to process dairy. So when you take it out, you have less inflammation, you have less pain. And if people are doubting this, what I ask them to do is just go try it for 10 days. (laughs) Like you can always add it back in. Try it for 10 days, see how you feel. If you don't feel any different, then don't listen to me. But I want you to try it for a few days and see because the experience I've had with myself and many others is all those little pains that they're talking about, they tend to go away when they take it out. I would agree. And I'm almost 100% sugar-free. I mean, processed sugars, you know. Yes. And as far as uh, dairy, I don't consume very much dairy Mm -hmm. either, hardly at all. But when it comes to grains, it's a bit different because I grew up on bread. My mother baked bread and we always had bread, 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 bread and the cakes and everything else. Well, I I don't consume cakes and and pastries and things like that, but breads are a little bit different. So let's talk about grains and what they're doing to us. Yeah. So, okay. Well, first and foremost, I am, I'm actually a celiac. So it's a, it's an autoimmune uh, disorder. And there's a lot of people that are celiac now. I know it's trendy to be gluten-free, but I was celiac (laughs) before anyone even knew what gluten meant. So I can't actually have gluten. And what I, and I do believe that part of the reason people think my skin, my age, all that looks good is because I haven't had gluten for so many years. I do believe that. So 
gluten has no benefit in anyone's diet. No one needs gluten. You can't like when you eat an unprocessed natural food diet, that is gluten-free. No, I'm not saying go have like gluten-free donuts. That's not what I mean. Cause that would just be junk and empty calories. Right. But what I'm saying is when you eat an unprocessed natural real food, the way that it grew, the way that it was meant to be, right. that is gluten-free by nature. Nobody gnaws on raw wheat. I mean, it doesn't happen. <laughs> right. Eating a natural gluten-free diet, a natural unprocessed food diet is gluten-free. When you eat greens, yes, there's a lot of buzz about fiber. It keeps you full long or whatever. I don't personally want my food to hang around in me. I want food to do its job. I want to eat food. It gives me nutrients for my muscle, for my body, for my focus, for my energy. And then I want it gone. I don't want it hanging around. So when you eat a lot of grains, it is hanging around in you and you're going to end up storing as fat. You're not using that right away. So do I think grains are off limits for everybody? No, I'm not saying that at all. Again, everything in moderation. But if you are dealing with stubborn fat loss, you're dealing with low focus, you're dealing with gut issues, you're dealing with pain, again, take it out. Let your body work less hard processing those things and see how you feel. Right. Well, what I do like are sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds. Yeah. And so there's nothing wrong with that, right? No, I'm a huge fan of anything that's in its natural state. So seeds, nuts, um, meats. Um, I'm a huge fan of fruits and vegetables and unlimited vegetables, unlimited vegetables. In fact, I, um, on my programs and plans, people can't believe how many vegetables I'm like, you don't have to measure vegetables. Nobody ever became obese eating too many carrots. I don't care what you say. Right, <laughs> like right. you're fine. So, and, and fruits too, even especially the low glycemic ones, I don't have an issue with strawberries or raspberries right. or blackberries. Like they're, they're great for us. So nuts, seeds, olive oil, avocado, really good fats, all of it. Huge fan of it. Well, my wife got this thing that you it has a handle on it and you uh -huh. put zucchini in it and it makes yeah. this stuff like spaghetti. And we're Fireless. like, oh my gosh, I like this better than spaghetti. And yeah. then she did this thing with cauliflower and she put it in the food processor and it's like cauliflower rice. Yep. And we're like, yep. this is better than rice. Yeah. And so it's just yeah. so delicious. And you yes. put a little bit of uh, seasoning on it and man, it's just really delicious. Yeah. And you don't have that, you know, tired feeling after you're exactly. like when you eat rice you kind of feel tired yes well and there's a lot of reasons that happens i mean one when you eat a high starchy food it really just it's just sugar really right. so you're eating that and your body's going to secrete insulin you're then going to get tired and foggy headed and you're going to crave more for more energy so it's a it's a cycle that keeps going and then when you eat the slow digesting grains they're hanging around for a long time so unless you need that why are you doing that? And so to, to me, it's not about, I don't really care to challenge people on it. Like I definitely have gotten messages from people with their research and their challenges. My question back to them is what you're doing working for you? Because that if it is, then great. I'm not trying to change you. But typically the people that are challenging me are dealing with inflammation and pain and stubborn fat loss. And they want to be right about their grains and their dairy, but they're struggling. So if you're not struggling, like my husband, I'll share, he doesn't matter what he eats. He's fine. He's lean. He's fit. He doesn't feel it. He's not sensitive to things. I wouldn't tell him he has to take it out. For people that are struggling with that, what does it hurt to try that? Right. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And when it comes to mindfulness, I find that through mindfulness, you can really notice what the food is doing to you. Do you experience that, Natalie? Oh my gosh. So the example that I give to, let me, yes, through mindfulness. And let me share this. So if you look at if you walk by a, a body of water and the body of water is a lot of junk in it, trash, garbage, whatever, just picture a really dirty body of water and you go and throw another piece of trash in it. You don't even notice it. 
it just blends with all the other trash. You don't even notice anything different. Mm. Now you take a different pool, pristine, beautiful, clear glass, water, beautiful. You notice it. And then you throw one piece of trash in it. You really notice it. So when you eat in a way that is clean and nourishing for your body, and you're really present to what this food is doing for you, I, I tell clients to ask, I have them ask before they eat, what is this food doing for me? Because if they can't answer that, then why are they having it? Like a Reese's peanut butter cup isn't really doing much for you other than giving you an instant quick gratification and then you feel bad about yourself. But like you can look at vegetables, you can look at things and know what it's doing for you. So that part of being mindfulness is really something I teach and and I encourage to really be aware of what food is doing for you. And then when you eat that way, your body does heal, it gets healthy, and then you really notice things more. So sometimes people will say to me, gosh, you know what? I gave up dairy and grains, but I didn't like that because now I feel it if I have something. <laughs> well, because your body's healthy. Yes, it's telling right. you. It's telling you. If you don't notice anything, like that's a problem right there. Yeah. I noticed that when I gave up, well, I didn't completely give up dairy, but I hardly ever have it and processed foods and sugars. Then I noticed that I have almost no mucus in my body at all. Like I noticed that it's a very obvious change. Yeah. So again, I like dairy like everybody else. Like you put a cheese plate in front of me and you leave me unattended, I might attack it. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I I like it, but I don't like how I feel from it. Right. Yeah. You can notice right away. And that's part of mindfulness too. It's being very conscious of what you're doing and making decisions. That way, if I choose to have a gluten-free pizza with dairy, I'm making a decision. I'm going to have this because I want it and I know I'm going to feel this way. So I'm aware and I'm not going to blame my hormones and everything else now because I made this decision. Yeah, you make the decision. I love how you put that right into the subtitle of your book, Mm -hmm. Plan Your Plate. Love yes. your weight. Yeah. You know, it's very catchy. Yes. And then the other part is it's a 10 day plan to change your state. Yes. Can you really do it in 10 days? Absolutely. Natalie? You can. Now it's a commitment after for sure. Like I'm not saying 10 days and then you can go do whatever I'm saying. Take the 10 days, see how you feel, which mm-hmm. you're going to feel amazing and then decide to continue on. Now, I can't be responsible for you not continuing on. But yes, in 10 days, you will feel completely different if you do what I outline in the book. And the book is not just nutrition and movement. It's a huge part of it is mindset. I take you through how to decide, how to declare, how to create a vision, how to come up with what I call your secret weapon, your driving core motivator, which is your secret weapon against attacking a cheese plate. So I take you through all of that. And you practice this for 10 days, you do feel totally different. Well, I'm excited because I know the book is coming out in a few days. I went to download it on my Kindle and I'm like, okay, it's not available yet. I couldn't get it. So I haven't read it, but I'm very excited to read it. And I, yes. think, I, think, I think it'll be a huge, huge success because Thank we're you. always, we're all looking for an answer, aren't we? Yes. And Bruce, and I, I want to share that aging in reverse is not just about physical appearance because I've definitely had some of those messages too. Like, why can't we age gracefully? You can age however you want to age. What it's about is when you are, when you think about children, how they have that wonder and that belief they can accomplish anything. Yeah. I want that back for adults because children believe that they can be whatever they want to believe. Nothing's in their way. But us as adults, we we text and message our friends like, oh, getting old stinks. <laughs> and then our friends say, oh, yes, it does. And then we stay in this bad place. So what I'm saying is age in reverse, let's realize that it's not too late. You're not too old. There are things you can do that are simple. It just takes being mindful 
and being aware and making these choices. And you can feel like a completely different person. Yeah, you really can. I, I'm so excited for what you're doing for the world to get that message out there. You know, that's, you. that's really great. As we move forward, I want to ask you five quick answer questions, yeah. Natalie. Yeah. The first one is this. So just 30 second answers are perfect. Who is yeah. one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? Ooh. Oh my gosh. Tony Robbins, I'll say, and I don't know him personally, but just every time I listen to him, he just has a way of really pulling into the moment and realizing why things happen for us. So I would say from afar, him. Yeah, he totally does. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Natalie? Oh my gosh, it's done everything because I am a very reactive person by nature, but stopping being present and implementing a pause <laughs> is my version of mindfulness that really has helped me from responding in ways that I shouldn't. How is breathing part of your mindfulness? I'm still working on it, Bruce. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still, yeah. working on it. still working on but, it. But I do know when I do take the pause and the breath, I it keeps me focused on the moment and present and it takes the stress away. And let's talk about any other books that are related to mindfulness. Aging in Reverse is an awesome book. I'm sure yeah. it is. And I can't wait to read it. But what other books would yeah. you recommend so, that are related to mindfulness? Yeah, I've got one right here. And it's, I don't know if it's a book or a journal, but five minute journal. Okay. That I, and I'll, I'm going to say that because even though that's not a book that you really like fully will sit and read, that is physically a book that I carry with me everywhere. And it reminds me to find gratitude in things morning and night. Um, mm. always and keep me present to the moment. Right. And you mentioned that before about gratitude. And uh, so the last thing, is there an app that helps you with your mindfulness? So I like some of the meditation apps. Um, I've got all of them, <laughs> like Budify. And uh, so I don't have a particular one right now, but I love all the meditation ones. Right. And what does your meditation practice looks like? So mine looks very different than textbook style. So for me, I, and I am very much an ADHD person. So me sitting still creates tension for me. I'm still working on that. But for me, just going for a walk without um, music, without my phone, without anything, literally just going for a walk and really getting present to what I hear, what I see, what I smell and what I feel. So I'll walk and I'll literally, I have a, there's like a three mile walk where I live that I do pretty much daily. And I consciously will walk thinking, okay, right now I'm see the trees. I see the birds. I see the swans. I see, I like, will literally say, I see, and then I'll go to my hearing. Like I hear the lawnmowers. I hear the lake. I hear. And when I do that, it calms me. It keeps me present. And it's some of my most enjoyable parts of the day. And like I noticed, um, it, just a quick story on that is I recently, I walked this lake loop every day and there's two swans there. And I noticed that one of the swans was gone and it was disturbing me. I'm like, where's the swan? Yeah. Did it get eaten by a coyote? Like, where's the swan? And then about a week later, I saw the swan with a little baby swan. Aww. I was like, Oh, and just like noticing those things and remembering that we're part of, part of a much bigger world than our right. problems that we were stressed about earlier. Right. And speaking of stress, I want to ask you if you were ever bullied or if you have a bullying story you can share with us where mindfulness would have made a difference. Yes. I have lots of them, and it, mostly from being a preteen. But oh, I remember yeah. being a preteen and being teased and made fun of about money, believe it or not. I didn't come from a family with a lot of money by any means. We were definitely, we were a middle-class family, a very, an average middle-class family. But um, I remember there being some kids that thought I had a lot of money and they would make fun of me and tease me about that. And they call me, I was raised Jewish. So they would mm -hmm. call me a Jap 
mm. which was a Jewish American princess. And it was meant in a derogatory way. Oh. And I remember being feeling really uncomfortable and not sharing or talking and what could have made a difference looking at it now, like how I would handle things with my daughter or other people would be to look at the person that's doing it as what are they dealing with in their life that's making them want to be mean or, or lash out or take it out on you. Like, because when you can have compassion for them, even when you don't want to, like when you have compassion for what they're dealing with coming from where they're hearing things, what they're struggling with, that can change your whole reaction. Wow. I really appreciate this conversation, Natalie. This has been a great time together. And your book, Aging in Reverse, is going to be wonderful for the world. So so get out there now. I know your website is nataliejillfitness.com. Am I yep. right? Yep, that is correct. And then you can get Aging in Reverse at age-in-reverse.com. Okay, with the dashes in between. Yeah, age, age, age in reverse.com. Yep. Okay, with dashes. Okay, yeah. well, Natalie, thank you so much for joining thank us on Mindfulness so Mode. Yeah, thank you so much. Great. You're welcome. Bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. Remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, the Release Your Overwhelm Guided Meditation for $4.99. Abandon your inner blocks, surrender your stress, and become more focused with the calming sound of the waves and reminders about how you can release your blocks that are holding you back. Download this full-length 30-minute guided meditation at mindfulnessmode.com slash release. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.